Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 974, and we're looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. Let's read our passage. James and John, sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. They answered him, Allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark began his Gospel, his account of the ministry of Jesus, with the Galilean ministry. Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching, healing, casting out demons, encountering religious leaders. And then he had some visits to Gentile areas. Now we're in this section, the journey to Jerusalem. It began with encountering some Pharisees that brought up the question about divorce. Then we saw the blessing of the children. We saw the account of the rich young ruler. And through that, we saw the explanation of the cost of discipleship. Then we saw the rewards of discipleship and the third prediction of his death. Now, immediately after that prediction of his death, we have this encounter with the disciples. So we pick it up in Mark 10. Verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. Now, James and John are two of the three of this inner circle, the three that Jesus took up on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Peter, James, and John. And so James and John were there at the Mount of Transfiguration. We'd think, if anybody really is having a better understanding of who Jesus is and his ministry, certainly it would be them. But obviously they don't. And perhaps they're focusing on the Mount of Transfiguration where they saw Jesus in his glory. Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, giants hearing the voice from heaven. So they're all caught up in this is really going to be spectacular. And so they're probably not getting the whole idea of Jesus going to Jerusalem to die, be raised again on the third day. They're not got that any more than anybody else. So they approached Jesus. Teacher, we want you to do something for us. Verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. They answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Well, to sit at the right and left of the man in charge would be the primary positions. The 
Jesus, the Messiah, will be the ruler. That's undisputed. But somebody's going to sit at his right, that is, be his right-hand man, to be number two in the kingdom. And somebody's going to sit at his left, be number three in the kingdom. And so these two brothers, James and John, come to him and say, we want that position. We want to be your special assistants when you come in your glory. And perhaps because of the Mount of Transfiguration, they understand what it really means for him to be in his glory. Verse 38, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Jesus basically says, you don't know what you're asking here. Now, in the Old Testament, sometimes cup is used figuratively of joy and salvation. An example would be Psalm 16, verse 5. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. So a few times in the Old Testament, you see cup in this positive sense. But the overwhelming majority of times you see cup in the Old Testament is referring to the wrath of God. We just back up a couple of Psalms to Psalm 11, verse 6. Let him rain burning coals and sulfur on the wicked. Let a scorching wind be the portion in their cup. Quite often we see, in fact, usually we see the idea of cup associated with the wrath of God, judgment. So when Jesus talks about the cup I will drink, he's talking about bad times coming. He's talking about his death. He's talking about his suffering. He says, and the baptism I will be baptized with. He's not referring to Christian baptism here. The word baptize literally means to immerse. And that's what baptism is, is the immersing somebody in water, dunking them. But here it's being used in reference to, a good way to think about it would be immersed in calamity. And we see sometimes in, in Greek literature this idea of being baptized in problems, baptized in calamity. And so Jesus is obviously referring here to his approaching suffering and death. They said, Jesus, we want to be on your right and on your left. We want to be those main second command guys to you. And Jesus says, you really don't know what you're asking here. Can you do what I am going to do? Can you go through what I am going to go through? This cup and this baptism, can you do that? Verse 39. We are able, they told him. So they confidently say, yes, we can. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit on my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So he says, you really don't know what you're asking, but you actually are going to go through a bunch of stuff. I am going to go and suffer and die in Jerusalem, you guys are in for a rough road too. Tradition tells us that James was probably executed by the Jews about 44 AD. Now John, we're told, probably lived to ripe old age and died of natural causes in Ephesus. But it wasn't an easy life. He was imprisoned. He was tortured. He was banished. So John had a rough go of it, 
So it wasn't the exact same things that Jesus went through, but both of them had hard times ahead. So Jesus says, you are going to go through some rough times. But this whole idea of my right and my left, he says, that's not mine to give. Now, he didn't explain it. And so to put any more to it, we've got to be careful we don't start making up our own ideas here. But he basically says, it's up to God for those positions. Verse 41. When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. So when the other ten hear what's going on, they're indignant. We could easily think, how dare they be so obtuse? How dare they be so selfish? I think it's jealousy. How did they beat us to the punch? We should have been there. We should have, I was just thinking about asking Jesus for that position. So I think it was probably jealousy. They want, everybody wants those positions. Verse 42, Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. So they're looking for high positions. Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, we want to be right there with you, top of the heap. And Jesus is basically saying, that's what the godless people want. So he talks about the rulers of the Gentiles. Well, the Gentiles are generally regarded as godless people. The rulers of the Gentiles would be the head of the godless people. So that's what they want. People who know nothing about God, people who know nothing about true right and wrong, that is their value system. Verse 43. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. This is pretty much the standard saying he's been using. The first will be last, the last will be first. So somebody wants to be great is going to be the servant. This shouldn't come as news to them, but he's contrasting. Where he says, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die and be raised again on the third day, they're saying. And we don't understand what any of that means, but we do understand you're going to Jerusalem to become the king of Israel. And we'd really like a high-level position when that all happens. Jesus says, you're chasing after the same thing that people that don't know God are chasing after. You're adopting the value systems of the world. The value systems of the kingdom of God are different. Verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So he gave the example of what they're chasing after. That's like the rulers of the Gentiles, the rulers of godless people. But then is the prime example of what it should be is himself. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And that service is going to involve giving up his very life as a ransom for many. Now, ransom is often used in secular Greek literature to refer to the price paid to free a slave. And so the idea here is Jesus is going to die to take the penalty of sin upon himself, because the penalty of sin is death. And he's going to do that as a substitute 
to bring about freedom for those who are under the penalty of death of sin now, for those who respond in faith. Rather than coming to set up an earthly kingdom to rule over everyone, he's coming to establish the kingdom of God, where those who will respond in faith can escape the penalty of sin. So we're still seeing them struggle with what it's all about, what the bottom line is. They're caught up still in this idea Jesus is the Messiah, we're going to Jerusalem, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon, and we don't want to miss it. Or Jesus is responding with, you're already missing it, and you need to understand what my mission really looks like is to go to Jerusalem, to die a substitutionary death. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.